Welcome to the One and O podcast hosted by Joe Cook and Brad Kellner. The One and O podcast is part of the Everyone Gets a Trophy podcast channel. And today, talk a little bit about Moro Ojomo's recent comments and the blowback it received in local and national media, what it kind of means, what it doesn't mean, uh, and you know what this says about Texas culture. Before we get into some discussion about just Texas football at large this spring, uh, quarterback, running back, wide receiver, any position on the field, we'll have some thoughts on it for this edition of the podcast. Be sure to rate, subscribe, and review wherever you get your podcast, iTunes, Spotify, wherever it may be. And uh, Brad, what uh, are, are you going to be available to the media after your recent comments, or are you getting uh, shut down by, by 97.5? <laughs> uh, I'm always available to the media. I'm always good to go. But, man, how about Moro Ojimo, as you mentioned, really – setting this fan base ablaze and creating a ripple effect within the Texas locker room as well. Uh, some pretty eye-popping comments from one of the veterans in that Texas locker room. So, you know, a, a little bit crazy on one hand to hear what he had to say, but on the other hand, it feels like there was a lot of truth into what Moro Ojimo had to talk about. And when you look at where this program has been over the last 12 years now, Joe, we're beyond a decade. You can't say a decade anymore. We're at 12 years of this non-refundable football that we've all been forced to watch and cover uh, in Austin, Texas. Uh, when you look at what's been going on and the results that we've seen, it feels like we need guys to maybe hold each other accountable a little bit more often. And clearly Moro Ojimo felt the need to do that a couple of days ago. What part did you like most and what part did you like or, or, or dislike most? Cause well, I, I have very... some pretty, I have, I, I've yeah. talked about this enough to be pretty sure of my opinion on, on a lot of these different things, but I want to hear what, what your thought was. Sure. Were you there in person? I, I was there for made? both of them. Okay, and it so wasn't even, it was just like, a, you know, they said, Hey, we got a couple players available. Yeah. Um, they had, who'd they have before? Um, I think maybe even maybe Bijan. I, I don't know, but uh, Oh, they had junior Angulao before who gives you uh, very straightforward answers, but nothing super groundbreaking, big personality, but um ojomo remember last year he had talked a lot about uh how he didn't perceive there to be enough guys on the roster who hated to lose as much as they love to win and i there was some follow-up and that's what kind of led into into this i think a lot of people thought it'd just be a regular run of the mill you know, who's doing well how are you feeling that type of thing and it turned into something a lot different than that yeah, no doubt about it. I'll start with my least favorite part of Ojimo's comments first. Uh, I didn't like the individual player call-outs. I don't think that's a good bit at all. Like, if you've got issues with individuals, go confront them face-to-face. -face. Don't take that to the media. Do that in person. Like, that type of stuff I feel like should stay within the locker room. So, I didn't like the individual player call-outs from Ojimo. Uh, maybe it'll ultimately have a positive effect on the team, but I feel like there were some guys who uh, confronted Ojimo after – those comments were made about, hey, dude, like, come on now. If you've got an issue with me personally, come talk to me. Don't, don't, don't take that S to the public. We don't need that. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I like the honesty. I like the holding other people accountable. And I think there's a lot of truth to what Ojimo had to say. And we've talked about it before, I feel like, on this podcast, Joe. I know I talked about it a, a number of times during my radio time in Austin. Austin's different. Austin is just different. And when you look at some of the – traditional powers in college football and when I say traditional powers I'm going to say like current powers 
in college football. The teams that over the last 12 years, while Texas have been has been down, uh, have been really good. And I look at Alabama. It's in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. There ain't nothing to do there besides play college football. Clemson, South Carolina. There ain't nothing to do there but play college football. Norman, Oklahoma. Not a great city. There ain't much to do there besides playing college football. So Austin has become this pop culture mecca, and it's become a major city in this country, and there's so much to do away from the University of Texas that there are more distractions than just about any other major program city in college football, even in Michigan, that like until this past year was kind of in the same boat that Texas was in. Like Ann Arbor, Michigan, not a lot to do there. There's not a blue blood city like Austin, Texas. So there are a number of distractions. And I've asked the question before, Joe, and I'm sure you have, and I'm sure you've seen it a bunch on the IT message boards over the years. Are, are Do these players care about football more than anything else? Like when they come to play football at Texas, is their number one goal to win at the University of Texas? And do they really care about getting to the NFL? Or is it like, oh man, I'm at Texas now. I'm at Austin. I'm at this great university in this great city with all these beautiful women and all these places to go out and eat and drink and have a good time. Like I remember it. I'm not, I won't call anybody out individually because I just blasted Ojimo for doing that. I remember when we were in school, after losses, I would see players on 6th Street. I would see players at frat parties, like on Saturdays after losses. I was mad at myself for being there. I was like, what am I doing? Like, I, I need to be more pissed off than this. I should be at home crying and sulking in ice cream. And I would see these Texas players out there. And it's like, like, does this not mean anything to y'all? Like, does this not mean anything to y'all? So I think there was a lot of truth in Ojemo's comments. And I understand why Sark came out and said, like, keep family business in house. And I've heard reports, and Joe, you know about this more than me. I'm sure players have gone up to Ojimo and said, dude, why did you say this? But I, I do think there was a lot of truth into what he had to say. Yeah, I think the, the macro view that he provided about the program, about you know culture, all that different stuff, that's not why Steve Sarkeesian is upset. And that's where... I'm kind of disappointed that there's a lot of not just from conflation, not just from people who are near the team and were at Ojimo's and at Sarkeesian's press conference, but there's a lot of drive-by based off a handful of tweets, short clips that the sense is Sarkeesian shut down Ojimo for speaking the truth. I don't think that's the case. I think, and I agree with you, a lot of what, Moro Ojimo said is 100% true. And it's been said on Longhorn message boards. It's been said among Longhorn fans. It's been said a bunch, a bunch, a bunch that, you know, hey, are there people here to play football for Texas or be Texas football players? So the criticism of Sarkeesian for a quote, shutting down Ojimo for seeking truth, that's unfounded. I really do think it is. That's not why Moro Ojimo is not going to speak to the media anymore. And Steve Sarkeesian laughed that off, which should tell you how much this probably really affects what's going on in there. Where Moro Ojimo messed up, and just as a side note, Moro made comments about NIL that makes it sound like he does not like it at all. Like, you're not going to be hearing about him getting sponsored by a wing place. You're not going to be hearing about him, you know, probably doing that much. It's to him, it's a distraction from building a team focus. And that's another conversation for another day with its merits and, uh, you know, it, it merits and drawbacks. But what where Moro messed up was 
And he was asked about him. So in fairness, he was asked about him, was saying as a 20 year old, as a teammate, as a senior, you know, Jalen Garth and Andre Carrick, it's time for them to grow up. That's something you either say to them directly or you let Bo Davis or Kyle Flood take care of or Steve Sarkeesian take care of. When he basically all but admitted like, well, yeah, we we need that TCU defensive end. Those are his words. We need that TCU defensive end. We all kind of knew that. But to put it that far out there, that's not his responsibility. His responsibility is to play alongside whoever he plays alongside and if O'Shawn Mathis comes on a visit, you know, bring him in, talk to him, all that different stuff. It's not his responsibility to say, hey, we need we need this guy. It's not his responsibility to say, hey, you know, we we now that we're running a lot of, you know, basically say we're running three down fronts. Um, and it's also not his responsibility to give recruiting rivals fodder about the city of Austin. When you say we got guys out there chasing women, chasing money, chasing alcohol. That last one's the big one. And uh, hands up, I, I drank alcohol before I was 21. Um, but that's not something you admit publicly because not everybody on that football team is over the age of 21. So you're out there saying things like, we got, we got 19-year-olds drinking in our football program. No matter where you are, what city you're in, you can't do that at the Chimmies in Lubbock. You can't do that at Georgia's in Waco. You can't do that at the chicken in, in, in College Station. You know, you, you can't do that at Linebacker Lounge in South Bend. You can't outright admit, yeah, yeah we, got, we got guys on our team going out and partying and drinking. Yeah, we all know it. it's there. But there's going to be a, a parent who is factoring, you know, various variables between schools. And they're going to realize, probably from another coach, that, oh, they're – focused on Austin and the the track that's where Ojimo messed up. So that's, that's why you're not going to hear from him. And then of course, like you said, you know, mentioning a lot of things that probably need to stay in house. So um, it's never as black and as, as you and I know, it's never as black and white as it may seem what he said about the program and the university and and drawbacks of Austin are 100% true. It's when he started really diving into details that really are not his responsibility to share. That's where he messed up. And I think that's the aspect of the this story that is just straight up being ignored. Yeah, that's well said. You hit the nail on the head right there, Joe. And what do they say about snitches? They get stitches. Uh, there are a lot of teammates and coaches who I'm sure are not happy with the way that Moro Ojimo snitched on the Texas program, right? Individually talking out, talking about those couple of players that you mentioned and also as a whole collectively too. Uh, yeah, probably not the publicity that Steve Sarkeesian in Texas was looking for, even though once again, like we both said, the comments were true. Uh, probably not something that Sark wanted to add to his plate because he's already dealing with a lot trying to get this program turned around. And I'll tell you what, man, uh, the microscope is now fully on Moro Oshimo. Like, in that, inside that locker room and also outside that locker room. Like, Texas players are going to hold that dude to a higher standard now for the rest of the spring, but also through the summer and through the fall as well. Like, if you're going to call everybody else out for not being mature and being 100% invested, you damn well better be 100% invested every single time that people see you, every single day of the year. And obviously, Texas fans, and not just Texas fans, Texas haters. If they see Ojibo screw up, they're going to be like, that's the guy? who called everybody else out, who was saying nobody else is taking this thing seriously. Really? That guy just got pancaked and he's getting worked by Alabama or by Oklahoma or even worse by Kansas. 
Like that's happening right now. So man, I mean, most Texas fans knew who Moro Ojimo was. I think before this, most people listening to the sounds of our voices knew who that guy was, but now a lot more Texas fans and a lot more college football fans are going to know who that guy is. And once again, both internally and externally, the standard has been raised for Moro Ojimo because of the comments that he made. Yeah, it, it's, it's, and even I mentioned the specifics, it's also the wider reach, not just talking about, um, you know, Tavondre Sweat, Andre Carrich, Jalen Garth. There are probably a lot of guys on that roster who think pretty darn similarly to what he thinks. And Moro's out there just paint, painting the whole roster, uh, arguably, you know, as maybe not being as locked in. And I'm sure there are guys that I, I, I don't even know specifically who you'd name, but there are guys on that team who care just as much as, if not more. And Moro's out there, you know, like you mentioned, guy who's never really been an all-conference guy, guy who's bounced between positions. He's out there at taking the liberty to throw all that stuff. And that That's where it messed up. Now, yeah. the, the other thing is, like, good thing it's April. <laughs> yeah. Because now there's going to be, for Sarkeesian, a full off-season. <clears throat> a full off-season to be like, show them the culture's fine. Show them this all works. Show them everything's okay. Instead of like, oh, we got to work on this. And by the way, Oklahoma, we're going to Stillwater next week. <laughs> like we're, we're a lot, this is, if this was going to happen, this is the time to do it. Um, but it, it's just, uh, yeah, a lot that has a lot of mixed signals here. Um, and everybody's going to learn from this, obviously. And I think it's going to, it may even galvanize the program a little bit to where, okay, let's lock the doors where it's all us now. Yeah. Um, but you know, it, 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 it's just another thing for, uh, uh, programs to chip away at. And, and somebody said this on the inside Texas message board, you know, Texas gets clicks. It, it's, it is what it is. If this were happening, if, if a player like this went on a diatribe at, trying to think of a power five school where this would apply i don't know oregon state hmm. like we got to change the culture we got to do all it'd be a drop in the water you yeah. know it, it really would Not, aside from being oregon state or corvallis west coast all that stuff but because it's at texas they're going to be under the spotlight they're going to have all that stuff happen to them and uh that's why we're talking about it a little yeah. bit yeah, my last thoughts on this before we move on, and obviously if you have anything else you want to say, fire away. You kind of brought it up. I don't know if Moro Ojimo is a starter on this team. So it's like it's interesting to hear a rotational player. Like he's going to play, obviously. He's played a number of snaps over his Texas career to this point, and I assume as he gets older he's going to still be a heavy part in that D-line rotation. But uh, this is not like a guy who has been one of the best players on Texas calling out Texas. Right. Like if it's Xavier Worthy coming out and saying these things, maybe people put a little bit more stock into it. If it's Deshaun Jameson, a guy who's been an all conference caliber player, a guy who's been here a lot longer, has been a more significant piece. You know, maybe people react to this a little bit differently. But because it's a guy like Moro Ojimo, that might ruffle some feathers even more, both internally and externally, too. So I don't know. It's it, it, it's crazy, man. I mean. There's a part of me that hopes where we look back at this and say, damn, all of those things needed to be said. And damn, that was a galvanizing moment, to use your word, uh, something that really unified this locker room and helped turn things around for Texas. But 
Uh, like you said, I mean, other schools are going to use this as ammunition against Texas. There's already plenty of negative recruiting you can do against Texas because of what's happened on the field in Austin over the last dozen years. Now you couple that with some of these comments and, and you're, you're starting to see why a and getting the recruits and Texas isn't. Now there's some other things going on, I'm sure. Uh, but like, okay, maybe Texas is taking a little bit of a backseat at the moment to A&M within the state of Texas. So stuff like this does not help, you know, Jimbo and those folks in college station are going to use this as well against Texas. So on one hand, it's like, yeah, he's calling it out. And I, I respect people who call it how they see it. But on the other hand, it's like, well, like you said, not something Stark really needed. This is not going yeah. to make life any easier for him as he tries to get Texas back on track. Yeah. I mean, I think there, the, the thing that's upset me most. And like I mentioned, is that, you know, they basically think, oh, you're silencing a player for speaking out. No, we just we just went out. We just laid out all the reasons why yeah. he's not even being silenced. Like he's not going to talk to the media for a good time being. It's not silence. I know it's an era of player agency where players get the deferential treatment from a lot in the outside program. This isn't that this isn't the time to make that argument, um, though. It seems like plenty want to do that. So. Uh, anyway, should we talk about some on-field stuff? Let's do it. Where do you want to start? Uh, We've only had one scrimmage, I think it sounds like. They've had other, like, scrimmage situations, but not a a full-fledged scrimmage. And, uh, this is, this past week was one of the first times we heard a lot of positive about Quinn Ewers. And speaking of Quinn Ewers, he's available today, uh, as we're recording this on Thursday, kind of spoke about coming back to Texas said he made an emotional decision to go to Ohio state, but he wanted to be back in, in Texas, close to his home state and, uh, or back in his home state, close to family and friends and play for the team he grew up loving. And sounds like, uh, over the, in this past scrimmage, and we even saw that one snippet from, from Texas social media, he's been playing pretty well of late. So, uh, as far as, I guess, I don't know, quarterback offense, where, where do you want to go with this? It just maybe your thoughts on, on Quinn and the progress it sounds like he's made over the past couple of weeks. Well, I love hearing that he's making progress because he's the most important person in that locker room. I know Stark is important. I know there are a number of really talented players in that Texas locker room who are going to be key factors in whether or not Texas is successful in 2022 and beyond. But and I feel like Quinn Ewers is the most important person there right now. I mean, look, we don't know if he's going to win the quarterback job, but this fan base has made an opinion on Hudson Carp. Can Hudson Card improve? Of course he can improve, right? Year two in this system, uh, year two as a potential starter. We've seen a number of guys, both at Texas and just around college football, who take big steps from their first year as a starter to their second year as a starter at any position, but especially the quarterback. So maybe Hudson Card wins this thing. Maybe he takes that step. And the Texas fans were really optimistic about what Card was going to do last year can be proud of what they see Card do this year. But Man, it, it feels like the majority of this fan base wants Quinn Ewers to be the guy. And, well, we know what Texas has been at quarterback for the majority of the last 12 years. And, of course, the best year that Texas has had in the last dozen years, they got an incredible year out of their quarterback, Sam Ellinger. So, man, I, I like hearing what I've heard from Quinn Ewers. Obviously, a, a lot of offseason left. And I'm tempering my expectations. Like, I want him to be great. I know how highly touted he was as a recruit, but I also know that I only should be a freshman in college this year so I don't know what realistic expectations are but it's good that we're at least hearing that Joe versus hearing that like there's a clear gap between Hudson Card and Quinn Ewers in favor of Card 
Yeah, and and to speak about Card a little bit, he even mentioned today he knows like uh, my pocket presence was not as as good as it needed to be, and that's part of why he uh, was was not was benched uh, to yeah. be playing. Uh, but uh, he's you know there, you can expect for him, and apparently he has still done well this spring. He's got a grasp of the offense. He's still the talented arm that he was at Lake Travis. Uh, it's just all about being able to handle the pocket with him because it seems like he can do, he's got the tools for, for everything else. Um, he was asked today, you know, why, why do you stick it out at Texas? Uh, I didn't think it was the way it was framed. It was a little better than what I just said, but it was framed properly. You know, what, you know, what led you to, to remain at Texas? And he basically is like, look, this is the school. This is my dream school. I got faith in Sark. I want to be here. Uh, you just got to get the offense down and, and make those throws. But uh, again, it's just a situation where every, you know, these are two quality quarterbacks. Even if, if Quinn Ewers has that generational arm, which we haven't been able to really see much since his junior year at South Lake Carroll, then he's going to be fine. Uh, Bobby Burton put it best on inside Texas. If he can master the mundane, it's probably going to be him. And if he has an understanding of the offense, uh, that equals or approaches Hudson cards while still having those tools, it's going to be fine. I'm going to throw a name at you for, uh, for Quinn Ewers and maybe stylistically is the way to think about it. But Brett Favre, you watch mm-hmm. Brett Favre play a little bit. He thought he could make every throw. <laughs> he tried to make every throw, yeah. uh, which is why he's the all time. Isn't he the, or he was the all time leader in interceptions for a while. That may be something you get. That style uh, is maybe what you get from from Quinn Ewers when when he's here. Um, what anything else on quarterback? One interesting note is that Malik Murphy uh, was taking some third string reps, yeah. uh, at least in the viewing portion. Um, but other than that, I mean, it, it's kind of just those those top three, mostly just those top two at this point. That's it. No, I'm with you 100%. I'm curious to see how the reps are divvied at the spring game, right? That was a complaint I had last year that Hudson Card got no run with the ones in front of the general public during the orange-white scrimmage last year. So what does that look like this year? Does Sark even it up a little bit? Do both guys get the chance to run with the ones? I don't I don't know how much stock he put into that. I mean, look, Hudson Card won the job even though he wasn't with the ones during the spring game. So I don't know how much it means, but I would like to see both guys get the opportunity to play with the ones. That's that's really what I'll be looking for more than anything else throughout the rest of the spring. Um, we can kind of skip all the different running back storylines. We know Bijan's good. We know Roshan's good. We know what Keelan Robinson provides and that the rest of that room has some talent. But I guess it's interesting. We got to go to the back of the line. Jaden Hullaby moving to running back after uh, not – not really moving up the charts at linebacker. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, I don't have too many thoughts. Um, like, I don't expect Jaden Holoby to play much running back. Mm-hmm. And you talked about those three guys. You've got Jonathan Brooks in there. You've got Jaden Blue. Like, you, you've guys who have played running back their whole life. And Texas is loaded. I mean, that's their strongest position group by far. So, I think it's more of a uh, – Holoby just didn't quite figure it out at linebacker. And it's disappointing because it feels like outside of the Marbion Overshown, there's a kind of a void of proven experienced talent. And, look, even if Holoby was going to be a starter this year, like we hadn't seen much from him in the past. So, I don't know what expectations would have been for him. But, yeah, I, I, I no disrespect to the kid, of course. I'm sure he's a great kid. But Jaden Holoby, I, I don't expect much from him on the field on the 40. The only thing, just to put a point on it, is that if they want to run 20 personnel stuff, two running backs, no tight ends, um, 
even if you want to dip your toe into the Brennan Marion go-go offense, you probably need a second blocker type. And Rashawn Johnson's not a blocker, uh, but he can. He's a pretty good blocker. He's, he's pretty darn good at it. Bijan yeah. too. Uh, so maybe that may that may be an area. And also it could, could indicate some confidence at linebacker on the other side that they feel good enough to, you know, try him out somewhere else, give him another chance at another position before saying, look, Jaden, you're you're not going to find playing time here, that type of thing. So uh, it just maybe looks for more versatility and seeing, you know, adding some more wrinkles. But I think you can kind of look at it with uh, just, you know, a positive view to linebacker at this hey, stage. Yeah, I hope you're right. I hope you're right. And and credit to Jaden Holoby, right? The Like mm-hmm. any guy who's willing to change positions. We gave Rojo a bunch of praise for that when he went from quarterback to running back like two weeks before his freshman season. Anybody who's willing to do something for the betterment of the team – you don't find that that often in today's mm-hmm. college football, right? If guys don't get what they want, they'll enter the portal and they'll go somewhere else. Uh, I respect the young man who's willing to do whatever it takes for the team to succeed. And maybe you're right. You know, maybe it's a blocking opportunity for him. And it says that, okay, Texas is better at linebacker than I, then maybe a lot of fans think right now. Uh, we can kind of look around. No, we can see some parts of the wide receiver. We know Xavier Worthy is going to be wide receiver one. We know that Jordan Whittington with healthy is a difference maker and has kind of acted as such. But it sounds like over the course of this spring, Isaiah Nayor has risen up the ranks of that depth chart. Uh, he's, he was getting some first string reps ahead of Marcus Washington and Casey Kane. Um, and he's starting to, I think he even surprised a lot of the people around Texas when he came in just with how skilled he was remember he was a little raw uh coming out of arlington lamar kind of covid recruit who had uh just opportunities limited as a result of limiting everything and now he's at texas and uh taking advantage of it i'm excited about him i mean the numbers he put up at wyoming last year were pretty damn good i know this is a different beast playing in the big 12 versus playing at wyoming in the mountain west but uh love what i saw from nayer on film and love what i've heard from him thus far too Uh, Let me ask you about Jaleel Billingsley, who, you know, tight end technically, but a guy who I keep hearing is lining up in the slot and flexing out as a wide receiver. He did that with Nick Saban at Alabama, did that with Sark at Alabama too. Uh, What do you think uh, are realistic expectations from uh, Billingsley this year? I think he'll be that flex guy uh, if they go to, if they go to 12 and that type of thing. I think Jatavian Sanders and maybe even Gunnar Helm are ahead of him right now because they are able to, put their hand in the dirt. Jaleel Billingsley's, if you saw him, he's not a big dude. He's like six, three, six, four, but he's probably around two ten. Mm. He looks like a big wide receiver, a flex tight end. And he's going to be asked to block. Everybody in that position is asked to block. But I, I think that Jatavian Sanders, the light, <laughs> this is a classic spring football quote. The light seems to be coming on for him. <laughs> yeah. uh, you have to remember, it's a point I've made plenty of times. The first time he took a snap at tight end, was his first practice at Texas. Uh, he had a lot to learn, a tremendous athleticism. But remember, he played wide receiver for Denton Ryan. He didn't play tight end. And in, in, even, you know, a lot of people want him to be an edge rusher. He basically gave that up his senior year. So he had to develop as a, uh, a blocker, uh, understanding, you know, the, the leverage and, and all that different type of thing at tight end. He still has those receiver skills. And it sounds like both he and Gunnar Helm have made progress I think it it seems like Jaleel Billingsley is going to be a, a change-up type guy. And maybe he'll probably have more 
opportunity because Texas rotates personnel a lot more than they did under Tom Herman. Probably. I I can't remember how Bill O'Brien did it exactly last year, but I also know Billingsley got passed up too by Latou and one other guy. Mm -hmm. Uh, So he may be a change of pace, uh, but he, you know, he's a welcome change of pace and allow Texas to be versatile in that offensive look. Hopefully he's what Malcolm Epps was supposed to be. Right. Like yeah. Malcolm oh, Epps. Uh, I mean, the, the staff tried so hard to make Malcolm Epps a thing, uh, trying to make fetch a thing. We tried to make Epps a thing for years and it just, it didn't happen. He had that body type that you felt like would thrive in that type of situation. It didn't happen. Hopefully Billingsley can, uh, can be that sort of bigger body flexed out tight end type who can uh, make a difference in the red zone and over the middle of the field. So we'll see. I was reading up uh, on Billingsley. feels like he's doing some good things, but I, I, I'm more excited about JT Sanders than I am Jaleel Billingsley. Absolutely. Like I bought – you remember doing this pile with me last year. I thought he was going to be awesome last year. I, I bought in to Jatavion Sanders. I bought a bunch of stock early on. Uh, early returns were not great. He, he didn't do much at all last year. Maybe I was giving him too much credit as a true freshman who was not an early enrollee, thinking he was going to make a huge impact. But love hearing that uh, – He's figuring some things out and the light bulb's coming on to use your, to use your verbiage there. Hopefully the five-star can live up to his billing. What about on the, uh, the offensive line? Um, it, it seems like at this point there are two knowns and that is junior Angula out left guard. Uh, it, it's Jake majors at center. Aside from that, it seems like, aside, I mean, Hayden Connor seems to have a step up at right guard, but yeah. there's just not enough players here this spring based off graduation portal and guys still coming in to have a, a great sense to where all you can really ask for at this point is guys staying healthy, guys developing, and then, okay, let's figure it out come the fall. Yeah, let me ask you this because I'm a broken record with my O-line takes, and I'm, I'm not fun to talk offensive line with right now because I just it's a zero out of ten for me at this point. Um, any transfer targets still out there? Like I know Texas fans were critical before signing day that Sark didn't hit the portal maybe hard enough on the O-line. Now that he's seen what he's seen and he's seen what he has, any chance that there's somebody out there that could be a plug-and-play starter? Uh, I think Texas had interest in one of the Georgia guys who jumped in the portal. Uh, let me find the name. Mims was the last name. I don't okay. want to butcher the first name. Uh, there's the link for the load the, uh, the, or the Amarius. Oh, not, yeah. not the rapper Mims. Not this no, is no not. music. Okay. Music's not his savior. Um, yeah, Amarius Mims, six seven three thirty, Georgia, uh, Texas, or Kyle Flood recruited him. Um, seems like there's there's mutual interest as we said over at Inside Texas, but that's the only one really. And and yeah. the other thing with with anything portal related is that a lot of, a lot more things are going to shake out in May. Uh, when Texas players, if they think it's time for them to go, they'll jump in or, yeah. you know, Florida state or, you know, Utah, any, any number of players that the post spring period is when you're going to start to see more and more things like that take place. So, okay. um, yeah, there's, no, there's at least one and, but the, the, the chargers are coming. They need only yeah. one Cole Hudson's there. They'll have six more two, maybe even three are in line to attempt to start earn a starting spot. So we'll see hey. uh, what 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 the uh, the the spring and, and summer holds for uh, the offensive line. Like you said, not a lot of known commodities up there. I mean, I I'm scared relying on true freshmen anywhere, but especially in the trenches. But those guys are the best. Get them out there. 
get mm-hmm. them out there and, and see what they can do. What about defense, man? I know I've asked you about this guy before, and I guess we're working backwards, but Ryan Watts, does it feel like he he is your other starting corner outside of Deshaun Jameson? Yeah, I think some of it depends on what they want to do with Jade Barron. Uh, he seems like he's one of those players who, whether it's at nickel or at corner, that he's he's too good to take off the field, at least in this setting. I, I think Ryan Watts is a difference maker. Like you, you look around that roster, there's no one built like him who does what he does. If they if they are, they're probably a wider. They look like Isaiah Nayor. That's that's basically a physical comparison for what he looks like. But he's out there playing corner. Um, I think what everybody really wants to see is just Sean Jamison. Just I, I think this is one of your points too. Live, live up to yeah. this persona that we've all kind of given him. Uh, he's a good cornerback, but he's not just like the shutdown elite guy who's immune from a from a competition. Um, it's it, it's go it's a contract year for him, and I'm excited to see if he can if he can handle it and, and take care of it. But there are players like Ryan Watts, Jade Barron, even Terrence Brooks who are gonna make corner you know not some uh you know shoe in okay it's these two let's figure out the the four or five after them it's it's a competition from the top down it seems like yeah that's good that's good and corner should be okay uh, i'm worried to call it a strength but i feel like they can be okay at corner i'm less worried about corner than i am at safety let's just right. let's just leave it at that like that's i mean is anthony cook is is still in line he's still one of the safeties getting first team reps at this point yeah, it sounds like he and uh, uh, Keaton Crawford. I think mm-hmm. that's more the storyline at safety than than Anthony Cook. He's Cook's kind of a I don't want to say known commodity safety because he hadn't played it, um, but he's as Steve Sarkeesian said, has played a lot of football, and you can kind of think that those years of playing will will help him out at safety because he's athletic, not corner athletic, but athletic. Um, he's also technical. That was why he had one of his uh, big you know, his, his ranking was so high. Yeah. We'll be interested to see if it translates at safety. It definitely is translated for Keaton Crawford. Like he is, um, you know, I, I think most anticipated that his athleticism would lead him to corner, but now it's lending him to safety because he's putting the diagnostic part of playing that position together too. So um, there's a lot of, I think safety is going to be interesting to watch in the fall just because JD coffee and, and, um, Jaron Thompson, two guys who played a good amount at the end of the year, at the end of last year, are still there. The problem with safety isn't that it's inexperience. It's just you know, it's uh, it's not inexperience. It's just you know, who's the good player here? Yeah. Um, and that, that's a better question to have than than any other one. Yeah, no doubt. Um, I'm trying to think what else. Linebacker, like out, outside of Overshown, what uh, what are you hearing? What are you saying? Seems like Jalen Ford is is picking it up. Um, that that was, I mean, he finished almost as the team's, I think, either leading tackler or leading tackler for loss, and he did not get a ton of run um, until kind of later portions of the season when Luke Brockermeyer went down. Um, you know, I, that's that's one of those. I'll believe it when I see it. Position. Yeah. That's the most believe it when I see it. Position. But uh, Demarvin Overshone sounds like he has benefited a ton from being able to go through spring practice as a linebacker for the first time at Texas. Uh, Dude, I saw, I saw, he seems rocked up. He's got more armbands than ever before. I mean, at at what point is it too much? Like I I coined him the arm bandit. Like I thought it was awesome for a while. And now it's like, dude, 
What are we doing here? I don't think it, there there is no too much for him. <laughs> like he plays by if he keeps playing the way that he's been playing, I got no problem with it. He can wear whatever the hell he wants, man. But what I I would have I think I would have maybe preferred him playing Sam or Star, maybe trying him at that position. But I think they've gotten him big enough now to where he looks like a linebacker. Yeah. He doesn't look like a hybrid player like he looks like a linebacker and um i i think he's gonna be pretty uh uh set at, at one of those linebacker spots yeah i'll tell you i'm not worried about him but i think about moro ojimo's comments that we talked about and then i think about the dude rocking 400 armbands every time he's out there and i'm like eh. but because it's overshone because i know he's invested and i know he cares and i know he can ball I'm, uh, I'm not too worried about him. But, yeah, that other linebacker, I'm with you. I mean, O-line's number one for me in terms of wait and see. Uh, it's been that way for me for years, and I'm still waiting to see something. Uh, but, yeah, linebacker, of course, too. I mean, I overshown stayed healthy. I'll knock on wood again if that happens. If, if that doesn't happen, I'm, I'm terrified mm-hmm. at what that position is going to be in the fall. Absolutely. Last one, D-line, I guess. Yeah, what's uh, – I mean, the Ojimo thing, that's the biggest D-line yeah. story, of course. But what uh, what are you hearing on the field from those guys? You ready for more three-man fronts? Oh, boy. I yeah, I, I don't hate it. I don't hate it as much as a lot of Texas fans do. You can be good with three down linemen. So. Because the problem is they don't have – that's why O'Shawn Mathis is a big deal. Yeah. They don't have the edge rushers. Baron Sorrell's had a good spring. Um, he's kind of – he was slight playing at one of the defensive end spots last year they just don't have great edge rushers it, it is what it is but they have you know when you recruit for a three down front from 2017 to 2019 i think um right up to that 2020 signing class like you're gonna have a lot of good interior linemen or a dearth or a collection of them so that's that's kind of the deepest I think I, I I would argue that's the deepest position on this team is interior defensive line between Ojimo, Collins, Coburn, Sweat, uh, Murphy. Like that's five right there. You need three on the field. Maybe you get six total. Find another one between Martin Warren or or Dre Bledsoe who just went out for the spring. But I. I I feel fine about that if they can just be disruptive from those three spots. I don't know if they're yeah. going to find another Puna Ford or a Chris Nelson or even a Charles Amenahu who maybe were able to – maybe Byron Murphy can be that. Um, I I think that's, that's going to be the best player on this defense in a couple of years. I don't know if that's going to be this year, but I, I think that the – there's there's enough talent there to where you look at three down and think okay that that makes sense that'll work yeah i remember hearing about byron murphy last spring who was it that compared him to aaron donald last year i, I forget who it was oh, man. Uh, but I've I, been like you know, it's not the Collins. first time i've heard that yeah yeah but like I, i'm excited about him and you're right like they disruptive that's the key word there like that's what you need i don't care how many down linemen you have i don't care if you have one just just be disruptive up front and that was supposed to be a strength for Texas last year. And look, they were five and seven. So maybe it was a strength considering what the rest of the team was. But we, I, I at least, I won't speak for you, had higher expectations from the D line last year than what we actually got. The expectations haven't changed. You've got a lot of talent there. You've got a lot of experience there, arguably more talent and experience than anywhere else outside of running back on this entire roster. So let's see it. But yeah, it, if you have to overcome your lack of edge talent, uh, pray that Mathis comes here. If you have to overcome your lack of edge talent, then doing what you just talked about makes a lot of sense.
Perfect. All right. Anything else? about hits at all. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. Great job as always. Thank y'all for listening. We really do appreciate the continued love and support of the one and O podcast. Make sure you follow Joe on Twitter at Joseph cook 89. Check out the great work he does over at InsideTexas.com. The sale still going on, Joe. Still going on. Probably. I think this may be the last week or maybe until the, the spring game. So get in while you can, this will get you right up to the lead up to the uh, regular season. Beautiful. InsideTexas.com, the best when it comes to all things Texas football, basketball, baseball. Joe's all over basketball and baseball, so make sure you follow his work over at IT. You can follow me on Twitter at Brad Kellner. Listen to The Wheelhouse every weekday afternoon from 3 to 7 on ESPN Houston and listen online at ESPN975.com. Thanks again for the continued love and support. We'll be back next week to uh, preview the spring game and talk whatever the hell else is going on with Texas football and Texas Longhorn Athletics, never a dull moment. For Joe Cook, I am BK Brad Kellner. Y'all stay safe. Y'all stay healthy. And hook them.